We're on a topic here, a meaningful life, and uh, tonight's uh, topic is generous people. And uh, we've been talking about gifts, and so the last two weeks that we had LinkedIn, which was um, talking about how we link in with community and we find meaning and purpose in and amongst people, as in the people we do life with alongside, we find meaning and purpose alongside them, championing each other on, and connect group is important for that. So I'd encourage you. Get involved in a connect group because you'll find a meaningful life in connect group. But that was the message two weeks ago, so we're not going to go there tonight. Last week, we had the message of gifted to give. And so we want us, as a church, we would love you to activate the gifts on the inside of you, to be someone that takes a next step and says, you know what, I know God's gifted me. I'm going to discover the gifts of God so then I can actually outwork them and walk in them. And so we had an incredible word and we had so many people coming up after the service to me going, Chris, I'm feeling like there's a gift on the inside of me that I'm not using. How can I get involved and how can I help out? I was like, what? Man, they should like preach that more often. More people were getting on team. More people were getting involved. I had a guy come up and talk to me and say, hey, I've got a spare day. I'm, I, I want to give it to help out and build the, like volunteer one day a week to help build behind the scenes at the church, like the admin side of stuff. I'm like, what? Generous people giving gifts saying, God, I want to be used. I want to be activated in all that God's got for me. And as a church... I just want to say, well done, because I'm seeing, uh, and the leadership is seeing so many people saying, you know what, I'm going to take my next step. I'm going to be activating what God's got for me. I want to live the best life that God's given me. And tonight, the topic is a generous people. And I want to mention this topic of generosity that from the outset, generosity stems from your heart. There's no way you can be generous unless it's actually cultivated on the inside and it's, it's coming out of you. Generosity, the starting place of it is it starts from within and works out of you. And so my message tonight is we're going to go through some scriptures and just do a bit of, bit of heart work here tonight. Not, not me per se, but the scriptures, I believe that as, they, as we just talk through them, that are actually going to do some work for you and I here tonight. And I'm believing that we're going to leave here with people going, God, I'm more in love with you. God, I have a hunger to love what you love. And I want to live a generous life in every way possible. And so let's, let's deep dive into the scriptures here tonight. We're going to go to Matthew 5, but don't, don't, don't put up that scripture yet. I'm just going to give a little bit of background Matthew 5, this is um, Jesus teaching, it's called the, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a, an amazing passage of teaching that Jesus goes through. Moment after moment, he talks truth and truth, and man, if you look at my Bible, it's probably the most highlighted and scribbled over and like underlined, like couple of pages in my book. I love it. I can just go there and feed every single day. I'm like, God, this, this is satisfying to my soul. And so we're just going to go through some of the things he talks about, and then we're going to land on a verse that kind of summarizes what he's been talking about. And the topic is a generous people. And he talks about the Beatitudes and talks about you're blessed when you give, you're blessed when you, when you um, I'll just read some of them to you because it's better than trying to summarize them. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're connected, uh, so you're content with just who you are. 
no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. And he goes on and on and on with more of them. And then he talks about salt and light. And he, he has this line here. He says, now that I've put you uh, there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll, promote, uh, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And then he goes on and he talks about, um, he says that I haven't come to, to do away with all the Old Testament law, but I've come to give like a contemporary understanding. I've come to give a fuller understanding of what the law is. And so he talks about some hot topics. Everyone's heard of the Ten Commandments, and one of them's like, you shall not murder. And so he says, well, the law of you shall not murder, let me give a little bit of a deeper revelation of it. He says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder, I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or a sister is guilty of murder. I know it's a little bit harsh for an evening. You're like, gee, I'm angry. I'm guilty. No, I'm not here to condemn, but I'm just here to highlight just some truth that Jesus is talking about. And again, we're doing some heart work here. He's talking about the heart attitude behind what we do. These guys are so concerned with the, the actual action that forgotten about an underlying moment of what's my heart in this. And then he goes on and he talks about giving and he says, you know, um, if you enter into a place of worship about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to the friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. It's like he says, you know what, we're sitting there, we're about, Rose is saying, hey, we're about to send out the buckets and all of a sudden you get a light bulb moment. Oh, gee, my brother was a little bit upset with me. You put your offering on the seat, you go out to your car, you drive home, you sort it out with your brother, then you come back, the service might be finished, but I'm just saying, and then you give your offering. Like, like we think about it, sometimes we read it, but we don't put it into practice and just wanna highlight that that's what it would kind of be like. It'd be like us actually sorting that out, saying, you know, God's more concerned about our heart. First and foremost, a generosity stems from the heart. So we, people want to sometimes talk from the top down. They start to say, hey, generosity begins with you opening your wallet. No, 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 generosity begins with us opening our heart. He goes on and he talks about you know, adultery and divorce. And then he says, you know, don't go to bed with another, you know the, the saying, the, the command, don't go to bed with another person's wife. And then he says, you know, you're like even looking at someone else and having thoughts on the inside, that's, that's a heart attitude. Let's get the heart attitude right. And then he goes on and he, he talks about, you know, you say don't lie, but, you know, let your yes be yes. Don't even try and like frivolize all that you're saying and try and, uh, you know, say this profound kind of way. He just says, you know, let your yes be yes. Let it be simple. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And again, it's, he's, he's pointing to the heart attitude. And then he talks about loving your enemies and he says, you know, you, this, the, the old saying is like, love those who love you. And then he says, hang on, but, but you know, anyone does that. Everyone loves people that love them back. You know, I haven't met many people that when someone says, you know, I love you, they say, I hate you, man. No, they're like, <laughs> even someone who doesn't even like you, they won't like shove it in your face. They'll just sort of smile and yeah. You know, they're not gonna be back at you. But he says, go one step further. He says, you know, 
I'll read it to you. He says, if someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into a court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your coat and make it a present for them. What? What? Like I'm going to take this off and gift it and say, here you go, my friend that just slapped my face. Like, gee, Jesus. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice servant life. Jesus, what? No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. Generosity pervades every area of our being, every area of our life. We're not just talking about finances. We're talking about in every area, how do we respond to things? It should stem from a heart attitude of, God, I love you. I wanna live out of a space of generous living towards others. And here we come to the verse that you can now put up on the screen. My friend Antonius at the back there, the guy behind the computer, you're a champion for all that you do for the house. Thank you, my friend. And it says, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, you and I, we're kingdom people, we're kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives toward you. Man, we're a generous people. He summarizes all these things, all these, these laws and these things, and he come, knuckles it down to let's live generously towards others in every area of our life. Let's have a hard attitude of generosity towards others. And what I want to continue on tonight is just, I want God to mold our hearts and shape them. My prayer for you tonight is that God would mold your heart and shape it so that you can begin to cultivate a heart of generosity. Because I'm someone who's passionate about God and I've seen living a life and saying, God, I wanna grow a generous heart. I've just seen the amazing blessing of God over my life and I stand here today blessed because I've, I've taken time to say, God, help me to be more generous. God, help me to live a life that's, that's more generous towards other people, more forgiving towards them. Like if, if they wanna say they hate me, I'm gonna say, but I love you back. If they wanna do wrong to me, I'm gonna say, no, I, I, I wanna do right to you. I wanna stand before God at the end and say, God, I've done everything I can to be the best representative of Jesus. Like that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line for me. And I think if we have that same attitude, if, if we could grasp this attitude, this heart revelation of God, at the end of the day, I'm gonna stand before you and I don't want any stone unturned. I don't wanna have anything in my heart that's wrong or, or you know, that I've sort of sewed up and just left it there. No, I, I wanna do everything I can to try and make it right. It's the freest place you can live in. The most free place you can live in is a place where you go, God, I, <laughs> my heart is generous. I'm, I'm open. There's this passage as we turn through point number two. I love this. We're turning to Matthew 6. This is a little bit later on. Still in the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he's talking about what we care about and, and the cares of the world. And the point is, you can trust God. You and I, we can trust Him. He's a good, good Father. 
It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, do you think, don't you think he'll attend to you, attend to me? He'll take pride in you. He'll do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God the way He works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You find all your everyday human concerns will be met. When, when Em and I, four, almost four years ago, left Perth and came to Sydney, <laughs> we'd, we'd said, God, God, we need you to sort of help us a little bit. We, we need a few things to be done. We believe that you're calling us to go, but, but we've got like a lot of things that we need to sell before we go. We, we, like a lot of house stuff and furniture stuff, like it's just too expensive to try and bring it over and da da da. But we're like, oh, you, you sell it all. Help us sell it all. And we had a few other ones. One of them was we have a property and it wasn't rented. And for anyone who's a homeowner, if you've got a rental property that's not rented, it's not good. Because that means <laughs> you're paying <laughs> for like an empty house, plus you're also paying for your own house. It's like you're double dipping in a wrong way. <laughs> and so we're driving across Australia going, God, I believe you've called me to this, but financially, I'm not sure it's gonna last that long. <laughs> I believe that you've called me to this, but, but my bank account is sort of saying, Chris, Chris, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm going, God, I'm trusting you, but what are you doing? What are you doing? And here we are stepping into Sydney. It's still not rented, but it's our prayer. We're like, God, we, we trust in you. We believe in you, but help us out sooner rather than later, please. And Perth is rather cheap, okay? Perth, I mean, compared to Sydney, we're, we're talking, you know, cheaper rents, Sydney, is more expensive, um, so driving across, I'm a little bit like, we get what? You wanna charge me what? You know, I'm like, this is like, we're triple dipping now, you know? Like, it's just, just not that great. Anyway, the, we put an offer on a rental place, we say, look, can you, can you help us? We, we wanna rent this place, and um, the same week, the very same week that we paid our first rent for the property that we've stayed in until now, we received our first rent from a property that hadn't been rented for a year. Now, if, uh, coincidences are coincidences, but, but that's a little bit suspect. Uh, like, <laughs> I think God sometimes wants to test our faith and said, I've got your back, don't worry. I've got you, just trust me. I could have relaxed so much easier. I could have just chilled a little bit more, but here I am driving across going, God, I trust you. I'm stressed, but I trust you. And yet here he says, you know, I'm, I'm a good father. 
got your back. Don't worry. Our God has got your back. That's just one story of God's provision. We've, we've had people just come and be generous to us. We've had people come and like give us stuff in, in times of need, like without a shadow of a doubt. Stepping into a walk of faith, stepping into a life of faith, I've seen God's miraculous provision more than I ever thought possible. And my encouragement to you would be that you can trust God. When He calls you to step out, step out. It's worth every ounce of whatever your sacrifice it might cost you, it's worth every ounce. We live so blessed today because we, I have peace, I have contentment, and I've just seen God provide time in, time out, without a shadow of a doubt. And that rhyme doc would be like Brad Sabat, maybe. What else have I ever said here? Yeah, like I teach swimming for my <laughs> one of my jobs and um, I teach these kids and it's an interesting thing to see a child. They've got stronger hands than you think. I'll just let you know. They um fear fear can cause them to to take a hold of you like like you never thought possible. You know, you know these these cute little kids on the side of things and all of a sudden you try and you try and take them off a platform and move them into a space they're uncomfortable. What generally happens is, is they start to take a hold of you because they, they, they want safety and you, you end up going, oh, that's cute. And as they, their hands and talons that their parents haven't cut off their fingers begin to like grip into your arms and, and you go, ah, but, but you're in the swimming pool and you can't really scream and, and yelp like it because you've got to be tough, you know, like you're, a, you're an instructor, you're like, yes, and you're like, mm on the inside because these kids are like drawing blood from you because fear has captivated their heart. And, and, but they are but a few, a few moments away from being able to float. Like every single person, it's not difficult to do, but sometimes we're so consumed with what's up here that we, we don't understand that we could actually just let go. The, there's people who are so gripped on the, the, um, on the platform that they just don't want to let go, and yet all along they can swim. Yet there's people who are so gripped to their budget, so gripped to their finances, so gripped to it that they never let go, but yet all along they could let go and let God and say, God, I, I give it to you, I trust you. And then, and then beyond that they go, Actually, there's people who try to swim, you know, like they, they, they try to get through the water, but they're so gripped on the inside that they're, they're so tense on the inside that they're trying to swim. They're like a brick. They're like, ah, and they don't understand that what they've actually got to do is just relax and let God. Just relax and let go and you can swim. And it's the same with our our finances, it's the same with our generous living, with our time, with our things. If we can just relax and just say, God, I'm just gonna live generously, you'll find there's so much flow, there's so much, there's ability to be able to move through life without struggle and stress and strive. My encouragement to you would be to let go and let God, let go and trust God. Jesus moves, goes on and later on in the book, he talks about 
he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to them because they live a, a quite a fundamentally dictated kind of life, a so controlled life. And here he is, he's like, <laughs> he's pretty harsh to him, to be real. He's, he's <laughs> you're hopeless. I mean, we're talking about God himself and he's basically saying to someone, you're hopeless. You religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds. Jeez, this isn't getting nice. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on even on every nickel and dime you get. But in other, in other versions, he says, you know, you tithe on your mint and your cumin. Now, here he has got some herbs in their garden. On my, my little... Um, <laughs> balcony. I've, I've got a little rosemary tree. And these guys were going to the extent of basically counting their rosemary leaves, taking off 10 of them, putting them in a little Ziploc bag, bringing them to church and tithing them and saying, that's part of my increase. I mean, I don't know if any of the deacons team, would, what would they do with these, these rosemary leaves? I mean, <laughs> but that's to the meticulousness that they'd gone to going, this pleases God that I, that I ounce every inch that, that I hold on to it, that I account for everything. And Jesus says to them, but on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, heart attitude things. He, he, he goes, you know, you might have the books right, but have you got your heart right? And my, my prayer is that tonight that we would allow the word of God into our heart just to soften in those areas that need to soften. The absolute basics, he says. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are still required. Yes, we should honor God with our finances. Yes, we should say, God, you know what? I'm gonna give you my first and my best. Just like if we wanna honor someone else, we, we would open a door for them and say, you go first. Just like we would, at a, at a, at a family dinner, we would like, cut off the, the, the best piece of the roast and give it to the person of honor and say, hey, I wanna give this to you because I wanna honor you. Just like we, at a wedding, you allow the bride and the groom to cut the first piece of the cake. You don't, you don't eat it all and say, here, we saved you some leftovers. No, you, you say, these guys cut it because we honor you. We give you our first and our best. That's just like us in our world. We give God our first and our best. And let us maintain the basics underneath that our heart is right before Him, that we as a people are generous and saying, God, I'm gonna live on the basics. I, like, I'm gonna let that be a part of who I am. I'm committed to, to living a life of looking after the poor and those who need something. And I'm gonna allow mercy to run through my veins that when I see someone on the street, I'm actually gonna see them. And, and if I can help them, I'll try and help them. Or, you know, someone in our connect group that, 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 just needs a, a bit of extra love. Maybe I can do something to help them out. Or, you know, your neighbor down the street, like, what can we do? Can we see people and allow mercy and justice and compassion to run through our veins and cause us to act while still maintaining, God, I'm gonna honor you with my first and my best. God's got so much more for us than we could ever ask, think or dream of. And it's on the other side of our willingness to, to say, God, I, I'm gonna give up to holding so tightly to things and I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I was gonna 
talk about <laughs> the woman who brings the alabaster flask and pours that oil on people's feet. But somebody already spoke about that earlier. <laughs> Wherever she's at, she's now looking after the little one maybe. She did such a phenomenal job that I won't double dip on that. But one thing that they said was that it's, Jesus calls that moment wonderfully significant. He describes what she did as wonderfully significant. Because, you know, he's just in the previous told the Pharisees, you've forgotten the basics. You know, you're giving out, you're giving out, but you've forgotten the basics to look after those who are poor. And then in this instance, you're reading him saying, because the, the, the disciples are cotton on to that, like, you know, the basics, you'll get the basics. Now here she is pouring out all this oil and the, 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 the disciples who heard about the basics now jump up and say, Jesus, what about the basics? And say, you could have sold it and given it to the poor. And, you know, that's a good thing. And, and the, most of us would go, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty right. It's a good idea. Probably should have, rather than pouring stuff on people's feet that's really for like your neck and your, your hair and smelling good as you walk through doors. And, and yet Jesus calls it wonderfully significant. This moment of pouring out was wonderfully significant. And my encouragement to you here today is that there are moments when each one of us will be called to do something wonderfully significant that we can't value and comprehend in such a worldly sense, but that only God can really quantify and qualify. Yet faith will drive us to act and a passion and a love for Jesus will drive us to act and move into a space that the world might look at and go, what the heck are you doing? That Christians might look at and go, I don't understand it all, but you on the inside go, God's called me to faith and action and I'm gonna do it like Take for a moment Noah. I mean, flip. Here he is building a boat in the middle of a desert and he's going, God's called me to faith. I mean, a lot of Christians probably could have said, you should be building, you know, orphanages. You should be building like, you know, food places. You should be helping those who are poor and needing help. I mean, that's the heart of God. Yet here he is doing an act that God's called him to that doesn't necessarily line up with exactly what, what you know, our logic would say, yet faith on the inside had caused them to act in that way. Faith on the inside had swelled up where they love God more than anything else, that they're gonna move into a life of, of God, I just trust you. I'm gonna build the boat just because I trust you. And through that act, it was wonderfully significant because God brought salvation to the human race. And there's gonna be people in this room that God's calling you. There's something on your heart that He's called you to and He's gonna say, hey, it's gonna be wonderfully significant, but you can't logically understand it. You can't quantify it economically. But yet, can I just say that it's the best place to be? Because yes, we still carry our heart for the lost. Yes, we still carry those. We're, we're gonna be generous. We're gonna love the least of these. We're gonna love the, those who are doing it tough. And we carry that with us. But yet our, our, our drive and our mission is this call of faith to act in such a way with that. You never know what God is gonna do on the other side of you stepping on faith. Jesus says she's talked about what she's done, her act is gonna be talked about and preached forever. 
It's going to inspire the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation onto greater and greater heights of faith. What's your act of faith going to inspire people to? God hasn't just chosen a few. No, He's chosen you. His heart is for you. He loves every ounce of who you are. We're just gonna take a moment as the worship team comes. Generosity, the greatest example of generosity is found when Jesus is on the cross. And I think it's summed up in one line that can go up on the screen. And he says, Father, forgive. It's gonna come up in a moment. Jesus is nailed to a cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, Jesus wasn't just talking about those who were going to be saved and come to know the name of Jesus. He wasn't just talking to the Christians or the the people who would one day follow Him. No, He was talking about every single person on planet Earth. He said, Father, forgive them. His one act was such a generous act of of God, I'm paying the price for every single person. Regardless of whether they choose me back, I'm choosing them. Regardless of whether they ever, ever even say the name of Jesus and say, God, I love you. Regardless of that, He said, God, forgive them. His act upon the cross was the most generous act you could ever imagine because you and I would say, let's just pay the price for those who will love Him. Let's just pay the price for those who might respond positively to the gospel. But no, no, no. God said, I'm going to pay the price for every single person. My love is sufficient for every single person. And it's that reason and that reason alone that He is glorified, that He is magnified. Because He's the God of gods that said, I'm going to pay the price for them all. Because my love trumps. My love is generous and it trumps everything regardless of what you've ever done, what you ever could do, what you, you, you ever could think or ever your heart could, could feel. My God is the God who says, no, I forgive you and I love you. We are a generous people and it's because of His act upon the cross that we're called to live a generous life. His act upon the cross calls you and I to be generous. Let's be generous people in our time, in our energy, in our finances, in every area of our life.